AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. As we get older, we tend to think about the things that could have been, lives we could have led, choices we could have made, careers and loves and kids that never were. We like to think that we made the choices we did because, ironically, we never really had any choice to begin with. And had things been slightly different, that dead-end office job might have been a movie studio, or a startup, or a career as a best-selling author. Of course, we'll never know what could have been because, well, we never got the chance to live it. But Charlie knew. He knew because he'd been obsessed with the possibilities. But sadly, others did not share that obsession. Charlie was a professor from London, England. He taught mathematics at Cambridge for almost 10 years, but it wasn't his passion. His mind was often elsewhere, either on writing his next bestseller or working on his brand new invention, the computer. You see, Charlie was something of a pioneer in the computing world. He believed that all the office work being done by hand at the time could be accomplished more efficiently using a machine. Often, tasks such as navigation, calculations, and processing information were done by hand. There was a lot of room for error, and Charlie knew that there had to be a better way. He just had to invent it first. Others had started working on their own computers already, but they'd all been rudimentary machines. They could only store a small amount of information or do a handful of calculations before needing to be reprogrammed. So Charlie got to work on his own version. His computer would be the first digital device to calculate the values of polynomial functions automatically as it used discrete digits to perform the tabulations rather than smooth quantities. But his skills were tailored more toward how the computer would work. He wasn't an engineer, nor did he have the capital to fund his own project on his own. So Charlie reached out for help. He went to the British government, who saw value in what the mathematician was proposing. They were also tired of doing all their paperwork by hand, so they granted him the funding he needed to get his startup off the ground. He then brought in an engineer named Joe to handle the design of the device, the Steve Wozniak to his Steve Jobs, so to speak. Unfortunately, the two men didn't see eye to eye on how their prototype was progressing. Joe had high standards and wanted the computer to use specific tools that Charlie could not pay for. After arguing over the growing costs and Charlie's refusal to prepay Joe for his work, the two men had a falling out and the British government pulled their funding. The age of the computer was already over before it had even started. But Charlie wasn't discouraged. He got to work on a new design. This more modern computer would be programmed using punch cards, similar to the IBM mainframes of the 50s and 60s. And to display the output from the device, Charlie planned on developing a printer for it as well. Its internal memory could have been capable of storing up to a thousand numbers, each up to 40 decimal digits long. 
Unlike its predecessor, this updated model was designed to do addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division, plus square roots and number comparisons. His first prototype could only do addition and subtraction calculations, though. He created three types of punch cards to handle the different operations, as well as a programming language light years ahead of anything else on the market. Unfortunately, despite the advancements made between Charlie's first and second iterations of his computer, he couldn't get it built. He tinkered over the years and asked for help from people like his son Henry to assist with some of the engineering, but without funding, he couldn't get it off the ground. Charlie died without ever seeing the computer built to completion. If only he had lived another hundred years or so. Because Charlie didn't design his computers in his garage in the 1970s. He didn't drop out of college to start a billion-dollar corporation either. Charles Babbage designed his difference engine and analytical engine before there was a Microsoft, before there was an Apple computer, and even before IBM was ever a company. He designed them in the mid-1800s. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. As the saying goes, one person's trash is another person's treasure. 
When Matt Barczyk was invited to see a 1975 Corvette someone was planning on selling him, he instead stumbled upon the greatest find of his car-collecting career, a 1957 Corvette. Its red and white shell was coated in dust, and the engine was sitting on a stand several feet away in an old barn. The wheels had been tossed haphazardly on shelves and even inside the car. To anyone else, it was nothing but a hunk of junk, but not to Matt. He bought the vehicle and all its pieces, took them home, and got to work restoring this piece of automotive history to its former glory. Because all it takes is one person to see the value in something everyone else sees as garbage. Back in the early 1960s, though, that one person happened to be the sales rep for a food distribution company. The salesman worked for Alex Foods, which delivered supplies to one very special Mexican restaurant in Anaheim, California, called Casa de Fritos. If that word fritos sounds familiar, it's because the restaurant was owned by none other than the Frito-Lay Corporation. But that wasn't what made this particular restaurant special. Casa de Fritos was built in Frontierland, inside Disneyland. Alex Foods was responsible for providing the tortillas the restaurant served in its dishes. One day, while the rep was in the kitchen, he noticed that the staff was throwing away a hefty supply of tortillas that had gone stale. They were hard and couldn't be sold to customers. But rather than have the restaurant waste food, he suggested they do something with them. His advice was to cut them up, fry them, and season them. They would be similar to another Mexican dish called totopos, which were nothing more than flattened corn pancakes that were fried, toasted, or baked. This new preparation would help the restaurant increase its profits while saving money on lost food product. The kitchen staff took the rep's advice and started saving their stale tortillas, slicing them up, frying them, and sprinkling them with a little seasoning. The pieces were then bagged up and sold to customers coming into the restaurant. Things were going well when one day the vice president of Frito-Lay, Archie West, dropped by to check on Casa de Fritos. He was thrilled. The restaurant was bustling and people were buying up all the bags of its new fried tortilla chips. West bought a bag for himself to see what the hubbub was about. One bite and he instantly got it. They were delicious. He went back to Frito-Lay and told them what he'd found. The company believed that they had a hit on their hands and gave West the green light to help turn these homemade chips into a real product. He contacted Alex Foods, the company whose rep had kicked all of this off in the first place, and asked them if they would like to be the sole producers of this brand new Frito-Lay product. The company couldn't say yes fast enough, but one vice president and a bunch of Disneyland patrons wasn't enough of a focus group to test whether the chips had a chance on a natural level. So Frito-Lay quietly launched them in the southwestern United States to start. Well, the launch wasn't that quiet. Even in one corner of the country, the demand was too great. Alex Foods was quickly out of its depth, and Frito-Lay had to step in to manufacture the chips itself. By May of 1966, the bags of fried, stale tortillas were now available in grocery store shelves all across the U.S. A few years later, a new taco-flavored version of the chips was released, and they performed well, but the best was yet to come. In 1972, Frito-Lay produced nacho cheese-flavored chips, and sales skyrocketed. Nacho cheese is still available today, as is a Cool Ranch flavor that was released in 1986. Most people who buy these chips today don't realize the history behind them. They don't know that back in the early 1960s, a restaurant in Disneyland decided to curb food waste by frying pieces of stale tortillas and selling them to customers, accidentally giving birth to one of the most popular and successful snack foods of all time, Doritos. 
I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.